everyone who makes space for you, they're almost memorialized in your brain. The people who really create time and energy and safety for you, you don't forget that. And I don't forget that. So just as a a lifestyle and a way of living, doing this as habit, active listening as habit and looking for people to listen to, looking for ways to practice this creates the most rich lived experience that I never, ever could have imagined when I started doing this. Welcome to Rise and Lead. I'm Benjamin Lundquist, and this podcast is all about personal growth and leadership. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our Rise and Lead community. We are a community of leaders who are passionate about growth, leadership, and expanding our impact on the world. On this episode, I sit down for a power-packed conversation with Caleb Isley about the art of active listening. Caleb is the founder and editor of Humans of Adventism. He is a journalist focusing on life stories, a podcast producer, and a creative collaborator who has personally facilitated conversations and written articles on more than 500 people. I'm confident that this episode will equip you to listen better and add more value as a leader. The Rise and Lead podcast is designed specifically to motivate and equip you to live your greatest life with maximum impact. We are going to find out what makes great leaders great and how you can start growing yourself, rise, expanding your impact, lead, and living the life that you have been created to live. I want to personally invite you to be a Rise and Lead partner in spreading the word about this podcast and all the episodes that will follow so together we can reach more people. Seriously, I'm honored that you're here. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you can get all the episodes that drop every month. Rate the podcast. I'm always going for a five-star rating. If you think Rise and Lead deserves five stars, I would greatly appreciate that. Leave a written review about how the podcast has added real value to your life. Your reviews, they make a huge difference. And finally, share about Rise and Lead with your family, your friends, and your social media network. Screenshot this episode with Caleb Isley and send it to someone or text somebody the episode link. You are helping people rise to their next level by connecting them to an episode. And when you share about the podcast as an Instagram story, make sure you tag me and I will always try and give you a repost. I like to start with prayer, so let's pray together. God, remind us of our worth and value. Give us the courage in this new year to step out in faith and do things we have never done before. Thank you for being part of our story as we seek to do a better job listening to the stories of others. Amen. Let's jump into my conversation with Caleb Isley about the art of active listening. When you think about this term, active listening, Caleb, unpack that. What does active listening mean for you? Sure. I think most people have probably heard that hearing and listening are different things, right? But Active listening, I want to take it even a step further. Active listening is posturing yourself to be the receiver 
to be the facilitator and the person drawing out something from someone else. So you think about a normal conversation and you're kind of there to tell somebody something, to show them that you are a worthy person, to convince them of your opinion, whatever. A lot of us have this very self-driven mode of communication that's all about getting what we want out there, getting the point that we're making or whatever out there and having the other person accept it. Active listening is intentionally taking that and turning it on its head where you become the person who's like, okay, you want to talk about this. This is important to you. And I really want to know. It's the communicating of genuine interest in somebody else. So active listening doesn't take everything at face value. It says, tell me more. Active listening is really taking the time to process what somebody is telling you and go further into their brain with them and their memory with them. I think the worst people at active listening are the people who think they're good listeners already because they will make a lot of assumptions when somebody else is talking. And that whole conversation will be based on what they think someone is saying rather than saying, no, I don't know what you're saying and I would like to. I want to ask further questions. I want to know more. I have some very frustrating friends who have short attention spans and we'll have conversations where they'll be like, yeah, 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 I get what you're saying. And I'm like, I know you don't. I can tell by your responses to me that you don't. I'm not going to make an issue of it, but the idea that I myself am a good active listener is already a bit self-defeating in like, this is just something you have to always want to get better at. I love what you brought up that when you are intentionally practicing active listening, when you enter into a conversation, it's not about you. And it's really about you trying to serve the person that you're having a conversation with as you facilitate that conversation intentionally to serve that person. I heard somebody say one time, if you want your influence to expand in a room, make it your goal to be more interested than you trying to be interesting. Think about when we approach leadership and mentorship, think about our initial reaction when somebody says they've gone through something difficult or they're struggling with financial issues or purpose issues. What is our first reaction? Our first reaction is to try to relate with them. Oh, I know how that is. I've Mm -hmm. gone through something similar. That's just like this thing that I did. They're coming from a good place, but very often they can either be damaging or at least not furthering our relationship with the person. Mm -hmm. Active listening says, I'm going to take this. And instead of saying, I know what that's like, I'm going to say, what is that like? Wow. It's the opportunity to ask more, to learn more, and to really process with that person and sit in their experience, not ours. That's huge. I just think about the conversations I've had. And I think often when we're not focused on serving, we're waiting for those open doors to really (laughs) tell our own story instead of making the focus about somebody else's story. And I think that's such a good challenge for all of us that there are times when you just need to be disciplined and be quiet because the conversation is not about you. And even though you could bring it back around to, I've been through something similar or I can relate, it's really about serving that person by honoring their story and letting their experience be told and letting their experience be heard. Talk to us about the questions that are effective and the questions that are not effective when it comes to active listening. So where the questions come from, I want to paint the source of where these questions come from before we get to the specific questions. Think of communication as an art, not a science. So 
where this comes from, it's a combination of genuine interest and truly being able to internalize and visualize what this person's perspective is kind of like. Picture it like a VR headset, right? Like when somebody is telling me a story, I kind of like go into that story and I look around and I ask questions about what I'm seeing there. I'm like, okay, you told me this piece. You told me that you were 11 years old and your house caught on fire. Take me back to the moment you smell smoke. Take me back to the moment that something changes in the air, that you hear somebody's running downstairs. Like it's reliving these moments and thoughts with people and looking around and asking questions about what you see. So good questions are going to be about what the person said. They're going to incorporate things that you remember from earlier parts of the conversation. And they're going to be right down close to what they're talking about. They're not going to be self-serving. And so good questions, in my experience, are not preference questions. Preference questions are a utility. You might ask somebody what restaurants they want or they like or don't like if you're going out to eat with them. That's important. But if you're trying to get to know somebody, like their character, their preferences have very little to do with their character. What they like to watch, where they like to eat, what their favorite color is. These aren't really relationship building questions. Relationship building questions are experience questions. What was that like? How did it affect you? What were the important moments in your life? If I'm talking to a mentor, I'm going to ask experience questions that talk about like, okay, how did you come to this piece of advice? What affected you in this way where you are telling me this piece of advice? Because I can learn a lot more from your experience and your story than I can from your conclusion. I need that context before the conclusion makes sense. So a lot of mentorship relationships will tell you just these flat pieces of advice, but you don't see the steps that it took to get there. If you can see the steps that it took to get there, then it can make sense to you where you're like, okay, if I'm in a similar place to that, this makes total sense. This is great advice. Here are some little variations that I'm dealing with that might make that advice work a little differently for me. If I'm in a mentor position already, then my questions are going to be a lot more like, what is this person dealing with that I haven't dealt with? Maybe I do notice similarities, but there are all these factors in their life that I don't know that really affect the kind of advice and conversation that I'm going to have. And even peer-to-peer, knowing and getting to know people in our life, building relationships in general, talking about people's experience and how they were affected by the things in their life, that's really what's going to bond us. And the most amazing thing that comes from this is listening is a reciprocal thing, I've found. So when you open up that space for somebody, when you make time for them, when you show genuine interest in them, nine times out of 10, they will return the favor. So you don't have to be prepping that thing. Well, here's the thing that I went through that seems really relevant to this. Generally, people will ask you about it. If you've really taken the time with them and the energy and put that into them, They will get through this where they just get everything off their chest. And there comes this moment in so many conversations I have where people say, we've talked about me for an hour. I want to know you. What makes you like this? How are you able to process this? Like You just seem like very calm and wise. Whether that's true or not, it's probably not. But (laughs) that's the impression of being able to process with somebody. And very, very often, people are more interested in you and your experience and what you have to say after you've taken that interest and time with them first. So there's power, like a quiet, calm power in being able to actively listen 
handle and process and be interested in that other person. If you still are having a hard time coming up with questions, you know, great questions that I like to ask are about moments of change. I love asking about moments of change because it gives the other person permission to be lots of different things in their life. It gives them a safety that their past is not necessarily the present or their future. When you ask about change, you're seeing somebody as complex, that they have a past that formed them and and that they're always changing. And some of the biggest moments come out of that. Moments of change. I mean, you hear about people's parents' divorce or their own divorce. You hear about deaths that affected them or accidents or trauma. But you also hear about career successes and personal successes. And the moment that somebody wakes up and realizes this is not the life that I want and I'm going to do something about it. Those are stories that are so, so powerful, even to me as the listener, because they open up the world in such a priceless way. It paints all past, present, and future as dynamic things that can work so many different ways. So if you really want to get to know somebody, ask them about change. Ask them about formative moments. Ask them when they learned something or overcame an obstacle. Those are the stories that we really build our identities off of. When you think about active listening, what has that done for your relationships with people? It's changed my entire life. So I try to, if you weren't there for maybe my late teens, early 20s, it's very hard to picture who I am next to who I was. (laughs) because I was not a good listener and I wasn't taught to be. I wasn't even in an environment where listening was taught as a value. Being able to argue as well as you can, argue your points well, to know as much as you can, to be the expert on everything. Those are the pressures that I really felt. And so the person that I started kind of as my adult life as was somebody who talks a lot about things I really didn't know that much about, (laughs) has very strong opinions. And anytime that I see somebody voice something different than my opinion, I have to go after it. That's a really different posture. And, And I damaged a lot of relationships that way. And there are people who stuck around, thank goodness for the whole journey, but there are relationships that I probably can repair as best I can, but they will always remember that kind of more aggressive, argumentative person in their life. And that's who I represent in their formative experiences. But they've changed everything. I mean, my marriage is a thousand times better. I'm still not a great listener all the time. (laughs) But I think that I've come a long, long way and I've really been able to see the healthy impacts of that. My friendships, I think that I'm a lot closer with my friends because I know them better. They trust me with more of their lives. It wasn't until years into my adult life that I learned some of even my closer friends' traumas because I became safe enough to talk to you about it. And even starting relationships now, the starting place is so much easier and deeper for my relationships than it ever was before. I think I'm able to really create an emotional bond with somebody relatively quickly and maintain that over Mm -hmm. years and years. But in combination with doing this as a work, I can tell you, I could drive across the entire country and have somewhere to sleep every night. I have people who four years ago, they were college students and now they've started businesses and now they're working at newspapers and websites and art magazines and all these crazy, amazing things that I got to see develop. And I get to be part of their life now because of making space for them before they had anything big and flashy to offer. 
my world, my network of people that I care about and that care about me back is so deep and wide because everyone who makes space for you, they're almost memorialized in your brain. The people who really create time and energy and safety for you, you don't forget that. And I don't forget that. So just as a a lifestyle and a way of living, doing this as habit, active listening as habit and looking for people to listen to, looking for ways to practice this creates the most rich lived experience that I never, ever could have imagined when I started doing this. Yeah. I just want to encourage anybody, make the time to do that because it matters because of the impact you can make on somebody else. And because of the community that you're going to build, not just for a moment, but it's going to be a community you're going to build for life. I liked what you said that you could cruise cross country and you could (laughs) handpick 500 to a thousand people. Hey, I'm in your town. Can I come crash with you? And I think you're right. I build that into my travel. Every time I travel somewhere, I will find people who are not attached to the event that I'm going to that just live in the area. And I'll say, hey, can I get lunch with you? I'm near you. I'm driving through. Can I stop and see you? I'll do trips down to Southern Oregon and the people in the middle that I know I'm passing the town where they live. I'll say, can I stop and see you at work? Five, 10 minutes. I just want to connect with you. I remember you're there. I remember you. And it's your life still exists in my brain. And I, I want to see and validate and support you. But making a habit of like remembering people that you've made those connections initially with is just kind of the natural continuation of growing this kind of lifestyle. It's such a powerful thing to now be able to look over and say like, I know I've been in a prosthetics lab. I've been in a, you know, (laughs) stood next to like lions and tigers with the person who takes care of them. Like all these crazy areas of the world, the backs of gas stations and grocery stores, it opens up the world and your social network in such a powerful way where you feel like you have access to almost everywhere. You have your welcome in all of these different communities where the people live. How important is active listening to the business world? I'll give you some real life examples from my last week. (laughs) I was looking for a, a lens for my camera and I go into this shop that's all my photographer friends in Portland are like, this is where I get my lenses. I go in there and I start talking with the guy behind the counter And anytime I will say something like, okay, I need to lens for this, he will take what I said and repeat something completely different to me. (laughs) It does not reflect my life or my goals. Just repeatedly over and over, this person jumped to an assumption, ran and grabbed something that I don't want and can't use, and really took the position of like, I know what you want. I know what you need. And I don't need to hear your side of that. And I left. I was there to get something. And Whether that has the best products or not, I didn't like being there. (laughs) The person was not listening to me. And so I went to another store and the person said, okay, so tell me about your life. Like, tell me about some of the things that you do, some of the different ways you'll use this. And I had a five or 10 minute conversation with him. And he's like, here are the options that I see best suiting you. Low pressure, mostly just like a service oriented attitude. And I bought from them. And I will buy from them again. Next time that I go somewhere, I will go to that place before I'll go to the place that has like the best lineup of stuff. I'll go to the place where the person actually can see me and hear me. Within the past year or so, I've incorporated a habit of buying smoothies two days a week at the smoothie shop next door. Okay. 
I like smoothies fine. It's not about the smoothie. Here's why I go back. The first time that I visited the smoothie shop, the owner, her name is Olive. She walked out of the smoothie shop and sat down with me and just talked to me about my life. Validating the things that I said, remembering the things that I said. Every time that I've gone back, she has remembered the things in my life that were going on. If I have a loved one passed away, if I have a trip that I'm going on, she remembers where I was. And I have gone back, you know, I don't know how much money, (laughs) if I did the math, I've ended up spending at that place. But I have gone back repeatedly because of the experience. Hmm. I like smoothies now. I care about them now. They're a staple in my life now. Why? Because of that specific business owner. I have altered my eating habits around that kindness and that active listening. I would say it's if it's important in the business world, it's 100 times more important in faith communities. Mm-hmm. Because what is our job in faith communities? We are here to support uh, people. We're here to minister to them and their needs. And we're there to point them to Jesus, yep. at, at least in Christian faith communities. And just marking out the different times that Jesus stopped everything for somebody. It's there over and over and over. The woman with the issue of blood, uh, the paralyzed man, the beggar, the lepers, the children that want to come to him. I mean, over and over, everybody around Jesus is like, don't make time for them. We don't like them. We don't need them. Continue what you're doing. What you're doing is a thousand times more important. He says, nothing is more important. He literally stops everybody in their tracks, stops what's going on and invites that individual or that group of individuals to him and creates that space around himself. He's literally a walking, active, listening machine in some of these stories. I mean, just powerful examples of this. But is that what we find in church? I would say that has not been my experience. I'm sure people have found that. But for the most part, church has taken this posture of we tell you, we are the authority, we are the teacher, we are here to tell you things, and you accept them and you do them. More and more in a growingly post-Christian, more secular society, that's not going to (laughs) work. People really need to see that you care about them. Number one, before you talk about any God, before you talk about any religious practice, any tradition that you have, they need to see what you're about. And if you are safe and comforting and supportive presence in their life. So faith communities are struggling right now, even with connecting with young people and beyond, because partly they haven't learned to listen. I remember being in a Sabbath school class and there was this guy, he'd been the head elder for decades, I think. When I was joining, this was a kind of dying church and he was talking about my generation, you know, young people today. And he was talking about our problems. All they want to do is party. All they want to do is drink alcohol. And he started listing off all of these things. And really what became evident and very sad to me is that he didn't know my generation. He was talking about things that were problems in his when they were young, but they were not the same problems that I have. Mm -hmm. And when I go about talking with Gen Z, they have different problems than millennials did. I can't say I know what it's like to be a teenager right now. I can't say I know what you're dealing with. I can't say that. I have to actually take the posture of what are you dealing with? What are the people around you dealing with, struggling with? What are the issues of the day? Because they will always, always be different. So faith communities really miss out on that initial first step of connection in not taking a listening posture. And so much damage and inefficiency comes from this. We'll set up whole ministries to issues that people aren't really struggling with. We'll send food to places that already have tons of food, but they need water or they need mental health facilities. In 
when we do mission work, even we'll go and we'll build a big school in a place where they can't get clean water. It's not that we're coming from a bad place. It's that very often, if we have not trained the active listening skill, we're coming from a very ignorant place because it takes active listening to actually learn what the needs and the values and the hopes and dreams of the people around us are. And even if we see similarities, and and I think this is full circle to what we started off this podcast episode with, even if there are similarities, discipline yourself enough to lean into someone else's story so you can understand what it's like to be in their shoes. You're never going to understand 100% because you haven't walked their journey, but you can make an effort to understand what it's like to be in their shoes. But listen to understand. Don't listen to respond. And you really hit the nail on the head. I work with a lot of faith communities and you think about how many times we want to serve in a way that is convenient or consistent with a passion that we have, Mm -hmm. but it's not in harmony with the real core need of a community. So you said it. I mean, you send food to a place that has orchards or you set up a clinic to a place that already has medical care, but that community doesn't have water. So I think you're so right. If you're part of a faith community, the first thing you have to do, you got to listen like really listen to what the needs are in that community and don't just do what you are passionate about or what is convenient for you, but do what is going to create the biggest impact. Tell me about the connection between active listening and effective leadership. Yeah. So this is a different leadership model than a lot of leaders that I've met. A lot of leaders that I've met are almost convincing people to be followers of them. (laughs) Active listening, whatever following comes from it, is a natural organic growth thing. Mm. It's not a persuasive thing. You're not out to make followers. But there is a certain amount of leadership that comes from this because it's so rare to have somebody who took that time with you. You are automatically seen as kind of a, a wiser person just by being able to actively listen. Leadership, I think sometimes we get like one particular idea of leadership that this is a strong and like charismatic and vocal person. But I would like to expand leadership to mean the people who have influence in your life, right? The people who affect how you decide things, how you live, the people that you look to for examples and maybe guidance. You don't have to do that specifically through advice, you can do it in how you live. Right now, what I'm seeing in who people accept as leaders has a lot more to do with how they're living than what they're saying. So really, I mean, say, say that again, because I want people to lean into that. Say that one last line again. The new leadership model, the new healthy leadership model, in my opinion, is people are paying more attention to how you're living than what you're saying. It's a show, don't tell. It's the opposite of do as I say, not what I do. No, people want to see what you do. That spans cultural lines, that spans religious lines. People will have their personal board of leaders, whether they call it that or not, made up of not just people from their religion, not just people from their age, but people who exemplify the values that they're chasing. And you can do that as a Seventh-day Adventist. You can do it as an atheist, old or young. I mean, whatever cultural background, are you exemplifying the values somebody is chasing? If you are, you will be incorporated into that kind of trusted circle in somebody's life and mind much more than if you just say things that may or may not be helpful to them 
much more than if you have thousands of followers online, whatever. No, in people's day-to-day life, what they need is somebody, examples that they can try to incorporate into how they do things and the habits that they form. In this day and age, it is much less about what you say and it's much more about how you live. And are you living out your values from the day-to-day? And are you setting an example for people to look at and to see? And you said something a minute ago that really resonated with me that as leaders, our goal is not to build followers. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to build leaders. Leaders build leaders. And the only way you can help to build somebody as a leader is you have to understand them and you've got to understand their story and you have to know how God has uniquely wired and gifted and impassioned that particular person. And that is all about active listening. And if you can influence people by saying so little, but listening so much, I've ridden a car with somebody on a number of different occasions and we've got to our destination and the person has responded by saying, whoa, I talked the entire time. You didn't even (laughs) say anything. There's impact that you make on really leaning into somebody's story. Yeah. I think a really helpful tool for me has been the concept of passive teaching. Active teaching is I go in with an idea. I go into a classroom. I say the things that are important to me. I give them facts and ideas. Even right now, I'm actively teaching about passively teaching, right? (laughs) Passive teaching is a skill that we can train where it's about what people see in us. It's what they experience with us. When you are actively listening, this is a piece of advice from Daryl Davis. When you're actively listening, you're passively teaching people about yourself. Passive teaching is all about who you are when nobody's looking and when they are, how you live your life, how you interact with them, and what experience and reflections on the experiences that they have when they're around you. What you're like speaks volumes more than you can put into words. It's a long-term thing. It's not something that gets the quick results. It doesn't get people to sign up for things. It doesn't get people to convert tomorrow. But what it does, it's a transformational thing, a transformational long-term lifetime habit of growing with people and transforming with them as well. And I'd be curious about that. Like, What are some of those big things that you have learned about people in facilitating over 500 conversations? Number one that has been so helpful to me is knowing and learning that social barriers are not insurmountable. We have this idea, like even you'll hear it in marriage conversations, right? Like men will never understand women. You just can't. Or old people will never understand young people or between races, like they just are never going to learn. It's not true. It is possible, but it is taking the active listening posture over a long period of time that really starts to break down those barriers. I have very healthy relationships across all different races, ideologies, genders, and ages because I've learned more and more this active listening posture. When you take the active listening posture, you go looking for people's experience. You go looking to listen. You don't take the posture of, I know more than you about your life. You go, I don't know and I want to know. It's not posture of like telling them what it's like or anything like that. It's what is it like? What are the things you deal with? You really have to build trust with people. So number one, across however you're born and however you grow up, we crave people who will actually listen and believe us about our own lives. So that's true of just about anybody you interact with. And number two, what I've learned is that it's so incredibly rare 
for anyone to do this for each other. It's immediately something that stands out in somebody's mind. You are cemented in their brain when you actively listen to them because very often the stories that I'm hearing are stories that they have not told their family, they've not told their best friends, they've not told their coworkers or anybody else, not because they're hiding it, but because no one has asked. Nobody's created that space where they're like, I just want to take an hour and hear your story. I just want to hear about the difficulties you were going through in college. Why did you disappear for all that time? Why did you stop returning my messages? Taking the time to really set aside energy for somebody. When you do that, it is a powerful and irreplaceable thing. And I've learned that most people do not have anyone in their life doing this for them. I have talked with people who are 80, 90 years old. And when I ask them about their life, they'll say, nobody has ever asked. They've lived almost 100 years with that isolation, without creating that outlet for them to talk about their life, without any person coming and being just focused only on them for a little while. I mean, this is a superpower in our current age. This is a something that transcends our businesses, our faith, our everything into, I mean, it is a supernatural, I think it's an act of God. I think that it is a ministry in every moment to really see somebody and hear them. And I know that people inside and outside of religion desperately need that done for them. When you think, Caleb, about leadership in particular, how would you define a great leader? I think a great leader is more about the people they serve than themselves. I think that it really can see people on an individual level. I think a lot of times leadership loses sight of the individual experience. And it becomes this kind of wide general thing when really what you're trying to do is show up for people and impact their lives in a positive way on an individual level. I think great leadership is honest and transparent. You can't always tell everybody everything, even legally, about what's going on. But even just being able to say, there's reasons I can't tell you that for whatever reason, or owning up to their mistakes. I think a lot of leadership historically has been really terrible about any kind of admission that they truly have done something wrong. When you have a leader that says, no, I did that wrong and I want to be accountable, you can recover from that. (laughs) You know, you can, you can rebuild trust, but what's going to permanently damage your influence is not owning up, is a half-witted apology or a half-done apology or none at all. Right now, Leaders, I think, are viewed more and more skeptically because it's so rare to see leaders that truly want to look at the impact that they have on people, even when it's negative. So a great leader is honest, they're transparent, and I think they're about the people. Mm. I think they're about the people more than their ego, more than their money. When you have somebody really showing up in your life, in your community, at your school, whatever it is, in meaningful ways, That's what builds trust and positive, healthy influence as a leader. If all of Caleb's content on the intraweb was erased and gone, and you could share one message with the world, what would be the most important message that you would want to share with the world? I would want to encourage genuine curiosity about other people's lives. Mm. I think that's number one. And I think it all really comes down to that and what you do with it for me. Basically, everything I say is these two things. Number one, I want people to be curious about each other. 
in a genuine way where they're just open to learn. They're not there to prove anything, argue anything. They just want to know. And number two, what do you do with that? I think turning that into a ministry of how can I help? Now that I understand more about your life and I've seen more of the circumstance and I've taken the time with you, how can I add value, safety, trust, practical help? I think that's what it's all about. I think that's the reason for doing stories in the first place. It's the reason that I connect with the people that I do is just people need to feel seen, heard, and loved. And you do that first by knowing them and then by using that knowledge to serve them as best you can. And the more you learn about individuals, look for ways that you can take your gifts, your abilities, your passions, and add real value to the lives of other people. Caleb, this has been an awesome conversation. Really, I've been inspired and I'm so thankful. We see each other quite a bit, but I'm so thankful that you just shared what you have learned through active listening. If there's somebody listening to this episode, I'm sure this is going to resonate with a lot of people. And they're thinking, I want to be a better active listener. What would you say, Caleb, is something that somebody could do in the next 24 hours that could help them take a step towards being a better active listener? Look for one person Mm. to ask about their life, not to tell anything to you. And this is the challenge, right? This is the challenge. Do not share about your life unless they ask. Don't share your opinion unless they ask. Make it all about them. Find one person. I don't care if it's your mom. (laughs) Maybe it's easier to start with people you know. Maybe it's somebody you bump into at the gym or I don't know, wherever you find community and wherever you are, maybe it's a coworker that you've just kind of worked alongside for a couple of years and don't really know. Take the time to just tell them, hey, I'd love to know more about you. Can we do lunch together? (laughs) But practicing that skill, you start with one person and you just intentionally go after it. All right, folks, you heard it from Caleb. You got 24 hours to find somebody and engage in a authentic, active listening conversation to understand more about somebody's story and to look for ways post-conversation that you can add real value to the lives of people. Caleb, you're a good friend. Thank you again for being on this episode of Rise and Lead. And I just want to thank you for the value that you have added to our Rise and Lead community. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Ben. I hope this episode impacted and inspired you. Send me a DM and let me know. I read every message that comes in. Make sure you screenshot this episode with Caleb. Share it with somebody and post it to your social media accounts. Don't forget to tag me so I can give you a repost. I know there is someone who you know who needs to hear this episode on the art of active listening. Thank you for sharing, subscribing, and rating the podcast. Seriously, that means the world to me. Look for new episodes to drop every month. You won't want to miss those. Thank you for taking the time to invest in yourself. You are worth it. Remember, the best time to rise and lead is now.